Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. The trouble with fads. (laughs) All fads become old news too soon. (laughs) And what does any of that have to do with Word with Dr. Michael David Clay? All of that kind of captures a notion that I think centrally, a dynamic, as with notion, that centrally comes back to addictions. <laughs> the first time you do anything is always, it seems, the best in terms of that type of an experience. What type of experience? A fad. I've never seen it before. I didn't know this existed. used to be called newfangled. (laughs) It's something that nobody's ever thought of before. It's unique. It's creative. It's different. There's a lot of hope attached to it. Oh, I can only imagine how this is going to be. This is going to be fabulous. If I could do this again. And depending on how powerful... All of that optimism, hope, energy, positivity. If it's really, really powerful, you may want to do it over and over and over again. But you're still going to end up, uh, end up with, or end, it's going to end up having that dimension of burnout. It's going to have that dimension of old news. It's going to lose. The infatuation effect? Now again, that's addiction. (laughs) I think all humans are prone to that experience. It's incredible. It's It's empowering. It's powerful. It's what we live for as humans, except those who would be most burnt out, most cynical. You do that too fast. You repeat that over and over again. You become habituated or there seems to be an element of tolerance. Also, what are those addictions, concepts that quickly follows? But you can burn out pretty quick. You can get used to it pretty fast. The infatuation wears off. The newness wears off. All of a sudden you begin to realize it is not the end all, the final say, the best thing that's ever happened. And should it even be in the moment that it's in? (laughs) You got to find something to replace it. Why would I not think then that personality might follow a similar trend? All humans are prone to addictions. It's just the way we're wired. And with that, the novelty, with that, the discovery, with that, the newness. But it's all biochemical if you frame it as an addiction. Because most addictions, as we might initially think of them, have a biochemical basis. I, I do realize and understand that behaviors, psychology, you can become psychologically addicted to anything as well. I like it. It's something that has been associated with a real positive, a powerful positive. But even then it comes back to biochemistry. It's just the way the human body works. You can't live on top of the world forever. There's no such thing as staying in that ultimate state of high forever. Another one of those addictions concepts. 
And then you've got to find a new drug. You've got to find a new experience. Why would I not think life in a more general sort of way? Even so, as we would then include identity, personality, culture, all those things that have come to define us, get this, habitually so, it's going to, the newness is going to wear off of it. And even if we should put love in that category, I think love is always going to be potent and powerful, but the variations to keep it new, to see it differently, requires at least some degree of respite, some degree of recovery where you have to step back and um, refraction <laughs> and allow it to regenerate itself. All neuronal impulses, potentiation on a nervous system level, bodily level, organic, physiological level. Hunger's the same way. You eat, you're full. <laughs> you, you can't eat anymore. And it, it takes a while for the drive the need to reach maximum, I guess, potency. <laughs> as with that tipping point, as with that potential, before you eat again, some people go a little too far by starving themselves <laughs> a bit too much. Uh, but you have to go through refraction because you just can't stay at that level on a biochemical basis indefinitely. There's too much norepinephrine and adrenaline. There's too much dopamine. There's too much serotonin. There's too much endorphins. The whole shooting works, as it used to be called. Everything is going off at such a high level, your body physically can't endure. It has to sleep. You have to sleep. Psychology Today Insights. What are the happiest times of your life? Many of us share the same golden years, no matter how old we are. By Art Markman, Ph.D., the November-December 2023 edition. Every life has its ups and downs, but the memories that stand out as our happiest may have less to do with what occurred recent research finds. And more to do with how old we were when they took place and how old we are when we recall them. In the study published in the journal Memory and Cognition, participants ranging in age from 8 to 81 were asked at four-year intervals to recount seven key memories that represented their life story and to detail how each made them who they are today. Researchers then coded each memory as well as the overall narrative as happy, unhappy, or neutral in tone. On the whole, memories of early adolescence were significantly less positive than memories of the early 20s. Indeed, the happiest memories overall tended to occur in this period, regardless of the participant's age. Adults in their 20s also tended to tell happier life stories than older participants. 
leading researchers to dub this period the Golden Twenties. That the oldest participants tended to tell more negative life stories than their younger counterparts surprised the researchers, standing in contrast to past findings that identified a positivity bias among older adults. Yet it could be that looking back on a full life and trying to articulate how one becomes the person one is today requires giving trials and triumphs equal weight. The researchers speculate, coloring older adults' life stories as more negative overall. Why do we recall our early 20s as the happiest time in our life regardless of how old we are? The major transitions that typically occur during this time are likely to be especially memorable and self-defining, the researchers note. This heady process of figuring out who we are as young adults often do could cast a warm glow on those memories for decades to come. What are the happiest times of your life? Many of us share the same golden years, no matter how old we are, by Art Markman, Ph.D., November-December 2023, Psychology Today. Maybe it's true. Again, maybe there's something to be said when we think about our 20s. Maybe there's something to be said as much to think about them globally as the research tends to suggest in this study that regardless of whether you're 8 or 81, by the time I suppose you get to your 20s, even those that are 8 are going to recall their 20s from that point forward as the best years of their life. Maybe it has something to do with having arrived. Maybe it has something to do with consolidation in some sort of way of not only our life experiences up to that age, but certainly during that age. And then afterwards, maybe it's the retreat. <laughs> because now we know what it's like to be 81. It isn't as swell as we don't know it will be when we're 21 or even as we are 8. We're still aspiring to the agency, autonomy, and independence of early adulthood. Maybe again the general health that goes with it. Maybe in that same sort of a way, identity as it comes online, that's approximately the age it comes online. And that is then the sentinel moment. The defining moment of us in humanity as an individual. But it could also just be the idea that in that addictions model, the first go around, at least the first relevant experience of having arrived, is pretty hard to replace. And it may also be that as we attempt to replace all those wonderful feelings that go along with that age, and again, biochemistry, it's entirely possible that (laughs) that's the optimal point of with that maturity, early adulthood, that really everything is working as best it could, and we just want to recapture that. 
But besides the physiology of it, as within the tolerance withdrawal, the refraction, you can't live at that point forever, even in more immediate, well-defined, or imminently so present, and then defined sort of terms. I do think that the notion is, psychologically speaking, if that's true, then maybe it shifts from more physiology, as in more stimulus response, to precipitating then or preserving to the extent of then at some point later on in life our memories precipitating that association, the psychological association of the greatest experience in life. You certainly can't go back and relive that. And its fullness, as with all measures coming together in that way of youth and identity and our first brush with who we are and the world around us. And I didn't mention it, but the optimism, the hopefulness that comes with the innocence, even. We don't know all the bad things, once again, that's going to happen by the time we get to 81. And we didn't mention also the obviousness of the order you get the closer you are to the end but maybe there's something very very important to be noted if you look at it this way addictions will never spring about true joy contentment and satisfaction because it is all driven by primary drives and needs and solely and singularly in that way biochemistry. The more you add psychological dimension, the more you might be able to gain some sense of control of that so that you're not just bound to reflexively or in that stimulus response, sort of neuronal, organic sort of way, depending upon some sort of a biochemical effect solely to bring about joy and contentment. Maybe you can then have more say. Maybe identity then can evolve within a positive, self-affirming, self-encouraging sort of reference. Maybe you can get ahead of it. Maybe not too far ahead of it. I, I suspect all those years preceding that arrival at those golden 20s, it's still going to be somewhat impossible to fully take advantage of identity. But once identity, psychologically speaking, is established, you can attach constantly, even. You can reinforce not only the initial association attachment of positives, It's like, again, that infatuation. You can keep reliving the experience of the infatuation, even if it is only psychologically so, and even if it is only in memory, well into your life, even to the age of 81, which is the furthest limits of those that were studied in this particular research that's being reported upon by Art Markman. In psychology today, the article I read, but why would we think it would ever have to end? Maybe it will be limited or bound to that initial reference by some sort of a marker of our 20s. But 
you're only as young as you feel. Why wouldn't we do that? It does require, though, that we continue to apply positivity. Positivity. The narrative is entirely, however, ours. And then, as we would share that with significant others, those others that we have allowed to have some say about our life, not to the exclusion of reality. We have to accept the reality. But that does not affect who you become. Maybe who you become psychologically is a spiritual sort of journey as well. Maybe it all prepares you so that in the end, you have something of which to not only, as you're laying here waiting for your final breath to be taken, you have the consolation, the comfort of always being able to be surrounded and engulfed in the memories But they don't have to go away. The great hope would be if there is spirituality. And should there even be life after the material life, you're not bound to the limits of material existence. (laughs) Just the stimulus response, the reactive, the need, the contentment that is is, uh, experienced by meeting the need in those most primitive of physiological terms. You can mimic that. You can even maybe influence then the release of these wonderful neurotransmitters, this wonderful combination of excitement and hope and optimism just by remembering. Possibly that is the problem with the addictions model and why most drug addicts will tell you the first experience you never can beat because they've never moved beyond it. They've been trapped in some sort of a mechanistic frame of reference to not see things in spiritual terms or not see things in a higher ordered psychological context of memory and identity. And and with that, maybe that's why all (laughs) great journeys to being freed from addictions or overcoming the addictive bias of our sort of more basic human operations and physiological context, biochemical context. Maybe all of them include the discovery of spirituality, the discovery of a higher power, the discovery of, should I say, love that endures, that then brings with it not only identity, but forgiveness for all the mistakes we've made. It's not rewriting history it's not blunting the reality of history. It's just not dwelling on all the negatives. You could do that, but then you would live in fight or flight your whole life. You could do that, but then you would be waiting for some chemical effect to come along to, in that way, bring about satiation or contentment. But even going back to the analogy of hunger or thirst or whatever primary drive, you're going to get hungry again. There is no satisfaction in that up and down. Where there's satisfaction is in knowing how to mitigate that. And should you even never be fully satisfied at any one particular moment? And why would you think all the stars would align in such the way that at any particular time, at any particular time, all your needs are going to be met in that contentment except... To say, don't base it on physiology alone. 
base it on the spiritual or the psychological and don't base it even on love, if love then would be the meeting of physical needs, base it on the greater measure of spirituality, the greater measure of psychological contentment, satisfaction that comes from selecting and being able to select what you want your memory to be. I don't know that I'll give my eulogy at my funeral. I could. I could write it up and say, here, you read this. I don't want to pretend like I could influence other people by just that, some sort of scripted narrative. I'd like my life, though, as I get older, to be less based on my own ingratiating of my own primary tries or selfishly so making me feel good in that sort of way to maybe the legacy I want to leave is helping others and then I won't have to pay somebody to read that to me whatever measure of transactional sort of um, payment if you can call it that it might come to money I'll bequeath you a legacy, I'll bequeath you. I would want them to do that out of the goodness of their heart. But even so, why would I not think they too, as they mature, could not engage in such a heavenly sort of pursuit? Again, following that line of spirituality. And if should you still be so, I guess, rejecting of any spirituality or such even notions of heaven, don't live in hell. Because if you base it all on that, in the end, when the body quits working and all the biochemistry ends, that's the end of you. Even if it's a false sort of narrative, would it not be better to believe that than to not believe? And should it be true, then what's wrong with that? You get a little bit of heaven now and you certainly get even more of it when you pass on. It seems to me like that that is palpable, except that you would be a curmudgeon. Curmudgeon? Curmudgeon? <laughs> they call it. Somebody who is so embittered by all of the negatives or has been trapped. And there's legitimate reasons. There's trauma. Uh, 8 to 20, 21 can be very hard and arduous and difficult and a lot of bad things can happen to good people along the way. You may not get the love. You may not get the support. You may starve. You may not be able to count on tomorrow. But if you're going to be set free from that or that does not become then your identity and they did not include that as a factor in the study as it's being reported. But I suspect if you focus on people who had had trauma you might get a little bit of a different outcome. Especially if by the time they hit 20 or 21, that's all they've known, then they don't understand. They've never maybe been given. They've never had a chance to share in this higher order of existence. And how would they know? They depend on the people who are older, who maybe have had it a little bit easier, or not as difficult or arduous of a journey, although all of us, I believe, have our share of those type of experiences that we have to process. But frame it positively. Frame it hopefully. Build your identity. Rebuild your identity. Be converted even. Allow there to be a little bit of a conversion from all of the negatives to a positive. 
In that sense, you don't have to be addicted or dependent upon the material existence to define you. (laughs) You can take this out of the hands of all of those factors, the natural order of things even, and pin it upon a more noble and higher order pursuit, even if you just think of that in terms of cognition. Emotional thinking is primitive, secondary to higher-ordered, rational, cognitive, logical thinking. That's what psychology, psychological counseling is all about, psychotherapy is all about. Not to the dismissal of the emotional reactive, but to the kind of washing of all that with a higher-ordered sort of definition or word. To change that so that we don't have to be bound to seeing it negatively, which would then only do PTSD sorts of things of re-triggering it. We can be freed from that. But I do think that's what love leads to is forgiveness. (laughs) What would be wrong with that? I'd want to, before I pass on and somebody does read my eulogy at my funeral, I want to make my peace with the world. I want to forgive them. I want to surround myself with love. I want to love others in hopes that they would love me in return. And yes, I'm still going to be vulnerable to being hurt, but it's not going to hurt me if I know that there's a greater thing. And if I can accept the ultimate reality, you're not going to get any farther than 81 if you're in date, your expiration date is 81. You might make it to 98. You might make it to 110. But the further you go along, there is going to be a definite end. Why would that be of some comfort to you along the way? Or why would you do that then to only be bound to trying to find artificial means to drum up some sort of optimism or positivity by self-ingratiation? Oh, I got money and I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to do everything I can. If you base your life on materialistic standards such as those, your contentment, your satisfaction, your joy, you'll always be addicted. And in the end, there's no answer to death. Except it would change the standard. Psychology is about changing the standard. It may not talk about things like spirituality, and it may not talk about things like heaven, and it may not talk about things like hell. And you don't, maybe don't have to yourself, but at least it's going to speak to a higher order of existence, which says it's okay as you get older to hold on to the good memories and just be dismissive of the ones that aren't. There's nothing wrong with that. Learn from them. Don't continue to commit the same errors and mistakes, which is really what I'm saying. But once you learn from them, why relive them? (laughs) Isn't that good news? If you come see me or somebody who thinks like I think, we're going to set you free. Should you want to get a hold of us, you can. 304-523-9673 or Word. You can find us at thewordhouse.com. You can find us at Facebook and on YouTube at the Word House. You can email us, drndclay at the Word House. You can join us for our next podcast of Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. And should you not really care much for 
that orientation or that perspective, go to the Psychology Today website. There's a directory of vetted providers that you can find. I'm believing, however, most are going to say there's nothing wrong with love and forgiveness and there's nothing wrong with good self-esteem and there's nothing wrong with holding on to the positives and there's nothing wrong with kind of, in that way, being cleansed of all those negatives, the negative associations. Because in the end, that's all you're going to have. Again, I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I want to wish you the best of good, not only mind health, but good general health. And I want you to back to invite you back to our next podcast until we get a chance to meet again. Thanks.